Thank you for listening to the First Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. Here you will be able to listen to all of our Sunday morning sermons. Be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss a sermon. Enjoy today's message. Hey, we're glad you're here this morning. I'm excited about this Christmas season. And I just, I mean... We had a gal decorate with our decorating crew, Debbie Brown led, and, and uh, she had already decorated 11 trees at her house. And uh, she said, this church decorates. And I said, yeah, it's part of our DNA. <laughs> it really, really is. Isn't it awesome? It just makes me to walk. I mean, when you see the tree in the foyer, you just, you smile. If you're online today and you've not, you need to see the, get the whole experience. You need to come in inside. If you can't make it, I'm telling you, it's over. I mean, it's nice. It just makes me smile. It makes me feel warm. It makes it Christmas me. And I got to tell you that our grandkids are coming over to our house today. To decorate because we don't have one decoration up, and if they don't decorate, it doesn't get done. And so I'm I'm the bipolar opposite, but but man, they worked really hard, and I really really appreciate that what they do and 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 how it it, it just uplifts the experience and and that uh, communion worship song, man, it made me cry, Dan. It really did. I mean, how worshipful, so awesome. Thank you so much. And, and crew, I, and our song team, our, our praise team. Hey, we do Christmas right here, and so we're really looking forward to this Christmas. So I, we're out of cars. We had a couple hundred of these. We'll try to get some more. You see someone you haven't seen for a while, and they're not going to church somewhere. This is the time to invite them to church and just say, hey, come and join us for Christmas. It's, it's just going to be awesome. Now, Maybe some of you have in your minds the expectation of a Hallmark Christmas. But the first Christmas wasn't Hallmark-like at all. In fact, kind of the main theme or the big idea of this series is how do you have a Merry Christmas when you're going through difficulties, situations, trials, not meeting your expectations. How do you do that? Maybe, if you're in Indiana, maybe you're a Colts fan. And if you follow the Colts through the season, you could, you could, you know, you could cheer for the Colts. Let me just say, you know, the Colts are four and seven with a new coach and they're just struggling. It's a long season for the Colts. But I might say I was up at the, what, what is the place, the crossing up in North Indianapolis last night? What's the, can, is it? Keystone across, thank you. Keystone and the crossing last night. I saw a lot of Michigan shirts. So I want to, <laughs> I want to commiserate. Maybe it's going to be a difficult Christmas season if you're a Purdue fan. <laughs> I figured I might get a rise. But seriously. There are more important things through this season. Maybe you're going through a loss. Maybe something is going on. Maybe maybe difficulty in relationships. But how do you have a Merry Christmas through all the ups and downs that we experience in life? Can we experience, how can we experience God in the ups and the downs that we're going through? 
And I want you to know that God is working and wants you to experience him like never before. You see, God is working and wants to be involved in your life. Now today, we're going to look at Luke chapter 1 as we go through this Hallmark series. And we're going to be looking at the Christmas story and probably from a different perspective than you've ever looked at it before. And so if you'll turn in your Bibles, if you're on version, by the way, I would encourage you, challenge you to get on version, Y-O-U-V-E-R-S-I-O-N, and maybe uh, download a free Christmas devotional just to kind of walk you through the Christmas season. But Luke 1.5, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, There was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. Now, we are in a political situation here in the United States, but there was a political situation that was going on at that time in Israel. You see, Herod wasn't even really a Jew, but he converted into Judaism, and he basically, he owned the temple, and he owned Israel. And so here you have this person who is a pagan, who was evil, who was running the show. It couldn't get much worse than that politically for the Jews. And the story goes on in verses 6 and 7. It says, And they were both righteous before God, talking about Zechariah and Elizabeth, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Here were two faithful believers in God, faithful Jews that were holy and righteous, that were barren. Now, this is a patriarchal culture, matriarchal culture that emphasized having children and they were barren. And, and we think infertility is difficult today with the ups and downs and in vitro, all that stuff going on. But the challenge in that day was to count on God. And they were old. And their lifelong desires were unfulfilled. They were childless. They had a dream of what would, what life would have been like if they would have had children. It was probably part of their plan. And even though they had impeccable priestly credentials and impeccable religious spiritual credentials, that did not guarantee life's blessings. But they didn't give up. And a lot of times I think we give up. We think we're entitled. We do what we think we should do and we think God owes us. And I think that's very devastating. And it's a challenge to live through those type of difficulties. And you've got to understand that this was a dream that was impossible for them. They were unable to conceive, they were old, and their dreams had probably died. So what happens 
What happens? Look at verses 8 and 9. Now, while he was serving as a priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. Now, you've got to understand something. In Judea at that time, there were probably about 18,000 priests. That's a lot of priests, if you think about it. Only one high priest, but 18,000 priests. And there were eighteen or eight or nine divisions of priests. And Abijah was in one of those divisions, which would have been about 2,000 priests. And he was only one. And the big deal was, is if you were a priest, you would get the opportunity, maybe if you won the lottery of priests, to burn or, or ignite the incense in the temple, which was not in the Holy of Holies, but outside the Holy of Holies. And you got to understand that in this moment, Zechariah, one of those 2,000, he had won the lottery because he got to burn the incense. Now, for us, that probably doesn't seem like a big deal. But for a priest at that time... This was a, a blessing of a lifetime. Unbelievable. And, and he didn't do it just by himself. He would go in and light the incense and then lay down before the Lord in worship. But there would be a whole multitude. Look, look at verse 10. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. They had the morning incense burning and the evening incense burning. We don't know which one it was. Now, one morning I was working on my sermon. It was a Monday morning, and I thought I was alone in the house because Stacy had left, and I didn't know where she went, but she'd probably gone to work, or I thought. And so I came down. I was downstairs. I'd been upstairs. I threw a load of laundry in and took, kind of took a break from sermon prep, which I normally do on Monday mornings. I came back downstairs, and I heard a toilet flush. Scared me to death. <laughs> Only time in my life that a toilet flush ever scared me. <laughs> I went into my ninja pose, <laughs> and my wife came out of the bathroom, and I was startled. Unbelievable. I mean, this true story. True story. Now, have you ever been startled like that? Where you thought you were all alone, maybe you were intensely focused on something, and then something interrupts, and you, it just about gives you a heart attack? I hate that moment. I do. I just hate it. But look at verse 11 and 12. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. He was already flat on his face anyway. And an angel of the Lord startled him, scared him to death. Now this could be the scariest moment you've ever had in your whole life. And this would be multiplied exponentially. But the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. What prayer do you think that was? Was it a prayer of long ago or was it a prayer that he prayed that day? See, for your prayer had been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. 
through their struggle, through their expectations, God had delayed their life plans. Well, why would God do that to them? And maybe God is doing that to you right now. Why? For them, it was because their son wasn't just going to be an ordinary boy. This was not going to be your ordinary Jewish boy. In fact, the angel tells him in verses 14 and 16, this is what he says. He says, and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this was like being a Nazarite like Samson was in the Old Testament, but but we take for granted this whole idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit because we as believers, we receive the Holy Spirit when we confess Jesus Christ as Lord, when we're baptized into Christ. We receive the Holy Spirit. We all have it. But at that time, not everybody had the Holy Spirit. But, but John the Baptist had it because he was a prophet of God. And, 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 and the angel says, even from his mother's womb, Incredible. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. <coughs> and he will go before them, him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Zachariah and Elizabeth's child's purpose and mission was to prepare the way for the Messiah. They had been waiting for the Messiah for thousands of years, from the very beginning of creation. For 400 years, there was no word from the Lord. There was silence. And and probably they'd given up hope. Their political environment was awful. And Zechariah is told, your son is going to prepare the way for the Messiah. The Messiah is coming. Zechariah, in a moment, was changed from old broken dreams to the most amazing moment in his life. And if you know the story, you know that Zechariah struggled to believe what the angel said in that moment. In fact, He was banished to silence. He couldn't even speak, even though he was faithful because God was making a point to Zechariah. So what do you do when life is difficult? That's the question, isn't it? Well, if you follow Zechariah and Elizabeth's example, you keep serving. They serve faithfully. The question is, are you still serving in your difficulty? What else did they do? They kept praying. They prayed faithfully and kept believing. Are you still praying in your difficulty? Now, I want to talk a little bit about your feelings today. And please don't take offense. You see, our culture says, do whatever you feel like. But we who follow Jesus... Follow Jesus no matter how we feel. You see, 
we don't follow our feelings. Now, at the same time, I want you to know this, that your feelings matter. You need to know what you're feeling and how you're experiencing life and to acknowledge them. But we, we are not to be controlled by our feelings. You see, those that follow their feelings reap the consequences of following their feelings. And it can be, lead to abuse, it can lead to addiction, it can lead to a lot of things. And so we've got to be very careful about our feelings. And I want to talk about three destructive lies about feelings this morning. And the first one is this. Lie number one, you need to feel it before you do it. If, if we need to feel what to do what is right to be able to do it, we may never get around to doing what is right because we may never feel it. Lie number two, it's disingenuous when you do something you don't feel. You're hypocritical. No, you do the right thing and then the feelings come. And lie number three, you can't make yourself feel something. No, but you can act your way into those feelings. You see, emotion follows action, and action produces emotion. Your feelings matter, but don't let them control you. You see, serving God is bigger than my feelings. And serving God is bigger than your feelings. Now, in relationship to serving and praying, you know, a lot of times have you ever volunteered to help out, but you didn't know that you were going to get a blessing when you helped out and when you served? Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, he says it this way, Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one of you for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. I was talking to a person, ran into him in a restaurant this last week, and, and he talked about a ministry that he was involved in, and it, it included service. And as, as he was talking about it, I could tell that he was blessed by what he had done, and it was an enrichment to his own life. And, and he didn't expect that, but he received that because of his service. Now, this is, this is something that's super important that you remember, that we are doing it for the Lord. Now, a lot of us like to serve people because we love people and we, we want to bless them. And that's a great motivation. But you know, when you're taken for granted, when you're unappreciated, when people don't see it or, or you don't feel like they've taking what you've done to heart, then you kind of just kind of back off. And, and you don't have the energy or the desire to continue doing that service. The difference is, is you're not doing it for people. When you do it for the Lord, the Spirit of God gives you and empowers you, even though you're unappreciated, you're taken for granted, that you continue to do what is right, and, and you are serving God, and that is the reward in and of itself, and you will be blessed because of that. And this is a growth point in spiritual maturity. We serve others because we serve the Lord. We need to get that motivation right. 
You see, Zachariah and Elizabeth were, were serving because they were serving the Lord, but they were being prepared. And so are you as well. We are being prepared, and if we don't pray and if we don't serve, we will miss out on the blessing and the opportunity of blessing and praying and serving. And folks, when we're in the right spot, in the right moment, doing what God calls us to do, there's nothing any better than that. It takes believing when something looks impossible. What's the impossible thing in your life? It takes faithfulness when it's a small thing to continue to do the right thing. It takes perseverance when it's difficult to enjoy the benefit on the other side, to keep it going on. See, for Zachariah and Elizabeth, their lowest low was their occasion for their highest high. And the same thing is true for you. Your lowest low may be your occasion for your highest high. Because your lowest low is likely preparing you for the biggest breakthroughs that God has for your life. Now, Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, was talking about giving when he says this, but I think this applies overall. You know, when no one else sees you and no one else appreciates you and you're doing the right thing and you feel taken for granted by others, I want you to hear this. Your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. God is watching you. And he is our father. And he appreciates what you've done. And he loves you. And it makes him proud when we do what is right. Remember, he is, he is watching. And he loves to reward his children. I was watching another football game, and I'm not a football fan. I haven't watched a whole football game all season. I just want you to know that, college or pro. But I, I happen to be on uh, watching television. My wife is a University of Tennessee fan, a Vols fan, because, you know, Tennessee and Johnson Bible College and all that stuff. And my brother-in-law graduated from University of Tennessee, and I happened on the Tennessee-Alabama game earlier this season. If you know anything, Tennessee had been beaten by Alabama 15 of the last 15 times. And so when they won, it was a last-minute, I think it was a kick, I don't even remember for sure, last-minute kick. The The fans... I mean, there were like 100,000 fans in the stadium. They, they, I mean, they just saturated the field. It was body to body. And they tore down the goalposts. And I watched this for a few minutes. And they carried the goalposts all around the stadium. I'm thinking, what, what the heck is going on? Are they this crazy? And then, and then there were people, they were carrying people who were hanging on the goalposts. It was nuts. And then I didn't watch all of this, but then they took the goalposts out of the stadium and dumped it into the Tennessee River. <laughs> My brother-in-law had, was at the game and texted my wife, and they were all cheering for Tennessee, and I could have cared less. But I was fascinated by them carrying the goalposts around. In fact, over Thanksgiving, I was with 
the, you know, that side of the family, and they were talking about that game, and my, my brother-in-law's father-in-law, if you can follow that conversation, she, she, he said, you know, somebody needs to dredge up that goalpost from that game and cut it into pieces. They could probably sell it for a million dollars. I thought that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> you see, the most faithful fans are the most alive. I wasn't, I'm not a fan. I just was fascinated by the human behavior. But the others, they were crazy over this thing. And to go dump a goalpost in the river? Come on. And you know what? What I found out is they already had a goalpost to replace it because they thought they were going to beat Alabama years ago. And so it was dusty somewhere in some barn, probably. Crazy fans. Tony read this this morning in uh, the latter part of this chapter, in verses 39 to 41. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to the town in the hill country of Judea. You see, an angel of the Lord went to Mary, wife of Joseph, and said, you're going to have the Messiah. But he also said, hey, your relative Elizabeth's going to have a baby. And I know what Mary was thinking, don't you? No way, she's too old. I've got to see this with my own eyes. And so she hurried to the hill country, or hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. How cool is this? Look at verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God was in that baby in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I was told a true story a while ago about uh, twins that were born in 1995. Two identical girls, and they were preemies. They were born 12 weeks ahead of schedule, three months ahead of time. And they were both about two pounds. You know, when you see uh, little girls carrying little babies, it was a little baby, a little two-pound and uh, one of them, after three weeks in the NICU, which is the neonatal intensive care unit, one was struggling. And, and at that time, they kept them separated in incubators. And I don't know if you've been in a NICU ever before, but it breaks your heart. I just sob every time I go into the NICU. Here these little babies struggling for life. And one, Kyrie, was dying. Her heart wasn't functioning right, and she'd turn in blue. And, and the neonatal nurses went to the parents and said, she's probably not going to make it. But there was a nurse in that neonatal unit named Gail Casperin, and, and Gail did something unthinkable at that time in 95. She took, I have a hard time saying her name, Brielle, Brielle the other, other twin, and put her in the incubator with Kyrie. And Brielle put her arm around Kyrie, and you know what happened? Almost immediately, her vital signs changed in that moment. What was going on? They needed each other. She needed that physical touch. In fact, at that time, they kept them separate because of infection and fear of them uh, actually SIDS was a concern. But now, you know, almost immediately there's this 
touch that goes on with this newborn almost all the time. They skin-to-skin contact, so they feel, feel each other. Now, folks, through times of difficulty, we need that kind of touch, don't we? It changed medicine, but that touch changes our life, doesn't it? We need one another, and we need God's touch in our lives. So how do we have a Hallmark Christmas? How do we, how do we uh, go uh, through difficulty? Well, we uh, need to be joyous and celebrate Christmas. Well, it's serving faithfully. It's praying and believing God's going to do what only He can do. Will you please stand as I pray? Eternal God Father, we are so grateful for the work that you do in our lives. And Father, we're thankful for the example of Zachariah and Elizabeth. And Father, you doing the impossible in a moment that, that is totally unexpected. And Father, we believe that you still do that today in our lives, in this time, in where we are. And Father, I just pray that you would do your work in us. And that Father, no matter what the difficulties, no matter what the trials, that we will be faithful in service and in prayer. That we might not miss the opportunity, but that we might give you the glory. And Father, we pray that we might do that for you and you alone. And Father, for those that are don't know you as Lord and Savior of their lives, who, who, who have been far from you, that aren't a part of the family of God, Father, I just pray that they would be touched by you and by those that are believers, Father, that you would make the difference for them. We pray this all in Jesus' name.